Hello everyone and welcome back to More Than You Know. Uh, so today we are joined once again by the four of us and I would let we and let's begin with the introductions. So my name is Harsh and my favorite color is black, a bit like my soul. Hi, my name is Rishi and I still keep stuffed toys because I'm a little bit of a kid on the inside. My name is Kaju and I'm not going to give a fun fact because I aim to remain anonymous even though it's insanely obvious as to who I am. <laughs> my name is here and I'm brand new to Apple. So before we start our episode today, we would we would like to sincerely apologize for last last time's podcast for uh, for slaughtering the names of various Indian actors, actresses as well as Indian movies. We would like to apologize for pronouncing Dharak as Dharak. Sushant Singh Rajput as Sushant Singh Rajput. And uh, also Ishan Qatar as Ishan Qatar. So we would like to sincerely apologize. And from now onwards, we would like to embrace our Indian roots more. So we will now speak about the, in the recent Indian education policy that was released on the 29th of July, 2020. We are insanely, insanely proud of this initiative and we think it's amazing because it maintains academic rigor but also diversifies the subjects that students can uh, learn about and um, essentially gets rid of rote learning, which is incredibly important in the Indian education system. So on behalf of all of us, we would just like to say we're really proud and we really, really hope it works out. Exactly. And I really do appreciate that in the new education policy, there's a greater emphasis on kind of making the three previously traditional streams such as science commerce and arts and instead we've tried to inc- we're trying to diversify them a little bit more and make them more interdisciplinary so we're very proud of this new initiative because now every kid in india doesn't have to just oh go into science commerce or arts they can have a more interdisciplinary education where they can really harness all the benefits from each of the streams to begin with let's talk about how the new education policy has impacted school learning Previously, it used to be in a 10 plus 2 format where students aged from 6 to 16 would spend the first 10 years preparing for their board exams. And then, in the last two years of their, for, of their school education, they, for the board exam results would dictate whether they would go into science, commerce, or arts. And commerce, was, um, commerce included subjects like business and economics. However, the new policy is now a 5 plus 3 plus 3 plus 4, such that there's five years of foundational education, three years of preparatory schooling, three years of middle school, and four years of secondary schooling. Secondly, now, now there's like a multi-stream approach and there's more flexibility in the subjects students can choose for, the ha- for their higher education. So now, it used to be such that students could only specialize in science, or they could only specialize in the commerce, or they could only specialize in arts. However, now, students have the op- option to have a little more flexibility in their to- choices, and they can have a mixture of sciences, co- a mixture of the science, commerce, and art subjects. Thirdly, they've also made they've also decreased the amount of like stress, I would say, on how much the board exams matter on the child's intellect. The board exams um, now to, the board exams are now designed to test only core com- competencies, and they could become modular object and subjective and will be offered twice a year they're not as they're not as important as they were before and now now in general the child's overall skills are more important thirdly there's now a multilingual approach to teaching in which there's a three language policy to continue with preference for local languages 
and the med and the medium of instruction. The, the fourth policy is that school students are to have bagless days in which that school fifth, students. Sorry. Yeah, fifth policy. It's okay. Keep going. Fifth policy. I was supposed to have 10 bagless days a year in which and you know there was this huge debate between whether Hindi should be our national language or not and people often opposed to it saying that although the majority of the country does speak Hindi um, it's unfair because a lot of the southern states tend not to even north uh, eastern right but I think the three language policy. I'm not too too sure which other languages, but promoting our local language is fantastic. Promoting Sanskrit is fantastic, and I assume the third one might might be English or a foreign. Maybe a foreign language. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I'm it depends even, on the state. Yeah, it depends yeah. on which state you're studying in. Like different states obviously have like you know prefer different languages. Yeah. For example, like Gujarat obviously obviously prefer Gujarati. No, and we're talking about the foreign one, not the, the local language. language. Obviously, the your local language would be the state yeah. language. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's really good because it promotes our own culture, and if students have a better understanding of our own mother tongues, which definitely, is yeah. So harsh. What do you have to add to this? I feel that something that I found extremely r- interesting about this policy, and something that is extremely beneficial about this policy is that the new report card system for the for school students now the new rec- report card system suggests that they're not only the marks that are put for each and every student for each subject but instead their comments about their attitude the way in which they're behaving what skills they're fostering if there are any extracurricular activities they're doing and i feel like that is something that is so that is something that is that is something that should hold equal importance to the academics because ultimately when you go out into the quote-unquote real world your academic skills will only will only take you so so far i 100 percent agree i think that there's a lot that comes from these extracurricular activities that can help you in the future i think you know obviously being really good at academics is really good but these skills that you learn from outside, people skills especially, will really help you, especially when, you, as you said, in the real world. And I agree, because even if you think about it, when these students, for example, when they go to college, when they leave out of college, they don't just leave with their academic degree in their hand. Right. They leave with referral letters. And these reference letters or referral, sorry, not referral, apologies, these reference letters that they get from their professors and all, that doesn't include anything really about their academics. It mainly includes their extracurricular activities, the way they behave in lectures. Soft the way, skills, right? Soft skills, exactly. And it's, so that just creates a more holistic standpoint about everything. And that, that is, that's good that they're fostering this holistic kind of approach from a young age because that is what's going to happen as they go grow up. For example, if they move from job to job, for example, what they take from their previous job is, firstly, it's going to be the experience, but it's not only going to be like their their performance, like, their, oh, they raised sales by this much. It's right. also going to be, for example, different skills such as, oh, they were well-spoken in presentations. What they They're, contributed what, as a team. Exactly, what they contributed as a team. Member. What they did as a <laughs> member, sorry. Yes. And what they did as, if they were a leader, then, oh, what skills did they present over there? It's not just going to be, oh, they increased sales by 10% or something like that, if you get what I mean. Yeah. 100%. I'm also really excited about the bagless days sort of initiative that they introduced. I think it's really important and it's definitely like it's something that hasn't been explored before and it really gives the students an opportunity to work with other people.
Right. So also, I feel like these vocational days, I suppose, it'll expose students to, as we'll discuss further on later, there is this rigid separation between arts, commerce, science. And usually as, as like Indian kids, you tend to hear, oh, you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, engineer. And that's what mostly students aspire to be. But I feel like these days will expose students to more, um, like a more diverse uh, job or career path um and this will i think really help students kind of break down that barrier that this is the only way that i can and go i feel in the like these days can help them identify if this is what they really want to do with mm, their life yeah like what's the point in going to become something when you don't enjoy it at the end of the day not only not only enjoy it you're only doing it for the prestige of it exactly. you're only doing it for the reputation that you get out of it because ultimately you're not going to be satisfied with what you do it's sort of a preview giving like you know yeah, like an insight, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like an insight into this, what it is to be specifically, to be the type of person or to be in that specific profession. Um, I just wanted to add, actually, why informal internships might also be really good. Um, that's because a lot of students have networks, right? Like a lot of more privileged students have networks and they're easily, they're able to easily access yeah. um, internships and like their parents can send money. I mean, this kind of relates back to what we were talking about before on nepotism and just yeah. contacts. Yeah. But I think for less privileged students who don't actually have these contacts, don't have these opportunities, really yeah. it gives them the chance to network with professionals and yeah. build that network of contacts, which is so, so, so crucial. And sort of relating to that, I think the, the whole progress is really important, you know, how you start off and it's, it would, as like sort of a bystander, it would be interesting to see how these students would improve and then use those skills that they learned in their work experience back into their school life. I believe that one of the major improvements of the new policy is that there's no rigid difference between the science, commerce, and artistic fields, which ultimately allows students to have more flexibility. It used to be perceived that only the top achievers would study science and they have to go to a job like engineering or they have to become a doctor in the future. However, now students can students can not only follow their passions in multidisciplinary subjects, they can also apply this they can also apply the skills from one disciplinary into another. For example, let's say you want to study chemistry and English. You can use the critical thinking skills, right? That you developed in both English and chemistry to help you with that. For example, your skills that you developed in English can be used in writing reports in chemistry and your critical thinking chemistry to help you look in perspectives and new ideas can help you, can be used in English, for example, in creative writing or in literary analysis. Which is why I think that this multidisciplinary approach will ultimately only benefit students and allow them to, in fact, be better at, be better at the jobs they're going to do in the future. I completely agree because if you even look at international school curriculums like the IB diploma we look at A levels they're allowed to pick a different combination of subjects when they're doing those choices in that regard prior to this new education policy I felt like India was very behind in the fact that they could only pick from one of three streams which is really limiting because what if a student is interested in many different things then that really becomes limiting for them as to what, what do they specifically pick and so that's why these other international curriculums start to move ahead and they start to pick all these different um, they started to allow more a more of an interdisciplinary approach when it came to learning. So I'm happy that India is also taking a step forward and just have and India is just becoming more globalized with its education part with its education in general. And I think what was different about India was that they like students chose arts, commerce, science, and tech. 
um, internationally, we usually decided what we're doing in 12th, right? Yeah. And then we specialize. So it was really early on, and they really missed a crucial part of the yeah. education. Um, I think an, uh, the IB diploma program is a really good example of that. I think anyone who studies the IB can attest to the fact that studying a range of subjects really, really helps them develop as a person and academically. For sure. So now moving on to the sort of college part. In India, um, college is really defined as upper secondary with university. So it's kind of like a five-year program. program yeah. So uh, the, a thing they're adding is a SAT-like college test. So what that means is a national testing agency will conduct a common college entrance exam and that will be held twice a year. There's also a four-year bachelor program which will be multidisciplinary and it will be preferred. So midterm dropouts will also be given credit with an option to complete their degree after their break or gap year. So um, there's also no affiliation policy, and this essentially means that over the next 15 years, colleges will be given graded autonomy to give degrees, and so affiliation with universities will end, and so will that deemed university status. And I think what that means, um, without too much information, I think what that means is a lot of colleges in Mumbai, at least, so like let's say HR, NM, they were all affiliated with the University of Mumbai. Right. So what I think this policy means is that Within the next 15 years, the colleges themselves will be able to give degrees without that affiliation with University of Mumbai. Mm -hmm. um, another thing they're adding, which I think is definitely very good, is a fee cap. So they're proposing to cap the fees charged by private institutions of higher learning. Um, so essentially, it will be better for those that can't afford such um, a high fee. And it stops uh, from education pretty much being commercialized. Right, yeah. So another thing that they're going to add to this program is something they've defined as going global, which means top-rated global universities will be facilitated to come to India, and then they will be encouraging other students to go to these top institutions. And top Indian institutions will also be encouraged to go global, which right. is really fantastic because if you think about it, um, IIT being such a renowned university is not even heard about globally. Yeah. It's not recognized yeah. enough. Yeah. A lot of people don't know about IIT, yeah. whereas Harvard, MIT is very widely recognized. And I think the ironic part is that it's harder to get into IIT than it is into MIT. Right. Which is shocking because MIT is one of the most, it is one of the most competitive unions in the world. the most. The most. <laughs> well, I mean. From a Western Western perspective. perspective definitely. Yeah. So, Rishi, what do you think about the new education policy with regards to higher education? I think the fact that they can predict that by 2035, 50% more people will be admitted into universities. I think, honestly, that's a great initiative for India, especially. And especially in places where, let's just say that, like, let's just say the literacy rate is lower. I think the fact that we can have so many more people studying and going to university will only just help boost India's economy overall and improve the overall standard of living for everyone. I agree because that's why there's the new there's a very famous saying where if one person goes to college then that can really help the entire family uplift themselves from any sort of difficulties that they have. Definitely, yeah. I am a little hesitant though because these are, I just don't want them to be empty promises, you know. There's been a lot that the government has promised but hasn't delivered on. Um, and I really hope this works out because it is something, like we said, we're really proud of. And I just hope this does work out and we do see the reform that is so desperately needed. 
I mean, you have to consider that like this is speculation after all. So I mean, when they say that they expect it, I mean they're obviously not sure because you never know what happens. Like, Fair enough. For example, for example, no one, no one expected this pandemic to hit, right? Right. Like right now, and no one expected a global recession. So I mean, you can think about it that way. Like this is all just speculation and just the i, just the idea that like this policy, regardless, like may, maybe it won't be that successful, but it's just an idea to help you like, understand that it is for the better. I I agree, but you know, I mean, effort is always commendable. Hundred mm-hmm. percent, but you know they're also increasing the budget, so I think it's from yeah. like four percent to six percent. But I don't want like corruption is a huge issue. What if that's taken away by certain ministers and they don't actually implement of, it into yeah. education? Some of these policies are easy to enforce, though. Yeah, yeah exactly. okay. a lot of these policies do not require extra funding. Okay, fair enough. Fair but enough. But however, even though it, do you consider them easy to enforce? It took thirty-four years to introduce this policy. Right. So. I hope that these promises aren't empty promises, as Karina said, because if it took thirty-four years for the policy to be introduced, yeah. then to have exactly to be implemented, and if it's going to take, and if they're projecting in just fifteen years from now, fifty percent increase in college enrollment rates, but how can we? How can they promise that if it's taken thirty-four years for the for the policy to actually be implemented? Right. So Harsh, what do you think about the SAT-like college test that they're going to be introducing? So the SAT-like college test is something that I think is an extremely beneficial step to the next stage to basically revolution revolutionizing the education education system of India because mm-hmm. I feel that this SAT-like college test it mainly focuses on those kind of aptitude skills. It focuses on skills that you can't just memorize. It's right. skills that you have to apply. It's skills that you need to develop over a period of time. So it isn't just the tip what it used to be in the past where you just memorize something and even if you didn't understand how to apply it or didn't understand what it meant you just memorize it and just write it in the exam yeah. now there's much more there's, there's much there's much more of an emphasis not only in the indian education system but in the global education system about application of the knowledge that you learn i also really like the fact that they're being held twice a year which means students are able to reflect on their scores and then if they need it, give it another time. Which often in, in like the boards, you can't re-give your boards. You know, exactly. once it's done, it's done. So. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's like that one exam determines the future, exactly. determines the course of your life. The importance of it is so much that like, you know, there's so much pressure also given yeah, to students at that time. Exactly, and when you're what, 15, 16 years old, that kind of pressure can be really difficult to handle. And so how in the world are you meant to cope that way yeah definitely so i also think that the flexibility aspect of the university education is really important is very interesting the fact that they get to get go from one uni to another for example or transfer in or out so i think that's very interesting definitely um because now um, students can transfer credits from one uni to another and therefore that gives them in case that say they don't like a course that much and they like it perhaps better at another uni like they can still transfer their skills from that uni into another one without having to Not go skills, through skills, credits. Sorry, credits. Yeah. And skills and credits and everything they've learned, right? They don't have to necessarily, like, you don't yeah. have to necessarily start from scratch. Yeah. Also, I, again, this, this is further reinforced by the multiple entry and exit policy in which, like, students can often, like, can enter and exit universities a lot more easier. E- sorry, my, my bad. Easily. And therefore, it's just better for them to find out what they want to do with their lives. 
I also think that the gap year thing is, is helpful because students that do want to take the gap year, yeah. they do have that opportunity to know go back in after they've like sort of reflected on themselves. Or even if they have more example, in that gap year, they can be doing so many different things. They exactly. can be doing traveling. Yeah. They can set up their own business. Mm-hmm. They could be doing an internship for a year. So I feel like ultimately that, that flexibility is something that students would really require. Mm-hmm. And especially in such a modern and developing society that we have nowadays where there's no such thing as quote-unquote the right degree or quote-unquote the right internship like no one knows what's certain because everyone's doing such different things to build on the right degree i also like how there's now flexibility of subjects and courses so you don't necessarily have to do like a full science-based course you can incorporate other fields into it which in my opinion again just reinforces the fact that you know students can be like can specialize in a variety of subjects rather than just one yeah, I definitely think this ideology is something that we do need and it helps to develop our sort of society as a whole. Mm. So one thing that also came out in the education policy that I personally found extremely interesting was the increased use of technology in the curriculum. Mm-hmm. So, for example, they're now increasing the access for disadvantaged groups through the means of more online video calling software, apologies, such as Zoom, Google Meet, um, Google Hangouts, all that stuff. And so that's allowing increased access for education to individuals that would otherwise not be able to possibly pay for the fee or they live too far away from the they live too far away from specific um, schools. And so it, it does allow for them to also be immersed into education as well. I think this is also influenced a little bit by the pandemic that's going on right now to have a much more developed technology use in India as a whole will be so much more beneficial if situations like this happen to occur again. In general, I think using technology is paramount. No, of course, yeah. Because it, in general, technology makes it so much more efficient to handle things. It can make administration easier, management easier. It can make teaching easier. You know, it can help in so many different ways. Definitely. It can even, as for, even for sciences, for example, they can now host virtual simulations to help teach students about different, you know, different experiments and different aspects about the subject. I agree. And I also really enjoy the fact that um, with increased use of technology, that can allow for better education. They can can be e-content in the specific regional language. Mm -hmm. And as we spoke about it previously, the importance of having languages or recognizing our national language in India and increasing access to people using that language. We want to be able to do that. We want to increase access yeah. to using our specific language that we're to our regional language, let's just say. And I love that this e-content can also be can also be um converted or adapted such that it is in that language, um, which is much better than, for example, because all the textbooks that students in India at least get are the majority of them are in English. So that really reduces the chance that students have to learn languages like Hindi or Sanskrit, etc. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Right, so that's it, I think, and we just like to conclude for today. Again, we're really proud of the initiative. We do hope it works out. We apologize if there are any factual inconsistencies. Uh, this has just been newly released, so we definitely have to look into it, but we were really excited about it and just wanted to put it out there. Um, thank you on behalf of everyone, and everyone, if you could just sign off. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, tune in next time. Yep, thank you so much, guys. Thank you for listening. Please friend more than you know to all of your friends so we can have more listeners and we can talk about topics that you're interested about. Yeah, do give us feedback on what you would like to hear about. Bye!